0: Abba Father, thank you so much already for what you did in the 9 a.m. service and the wisdom that was shared among your people. Would you give a lot of grace right now? Uh, So many families are here. We've got people here who have absolutely no relationship with their father whatsoever, just huge deficits with their dads, Um, huge deficits with moms and broken families and the pain of all those things, would you please give a lot of grace right now and a lot of wisdom to us and help us to appreciate uh, the difference a dad can make in a marriage and certainly uh, with parenting. Lord, thank you for uh, your love as a father and that nothing would separate us from your love. I pray that you give me a lot of, a lot of grace right now as I do my best to care for these amazing people. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, so Romans 16, 11 to 16, the difference a dad can make. Let's work through some of this and we'll focus in on this guy named Rufus. Pretty amazing story here. So, greet Herodion, my kinsman. Uh, greet those of the household of Narcissus, Narcissus, who are in the Lord, and greet Tryphine, and Tryphosa, workers in the Lord. Greet Perses, the beloved, who has worked hard in the Lord. Greet Rufus, a choice man in the Lord, also, his mother and mine. Greet Asyncritus, Phlegon, Hermes, Petrobas, Hermas, and the brothers with them. great Philologus and Julia, Nereus, and his sister Olympas, and all the saints who are with them. Greet one another with a holy kiss. All the churches of Christ greet you. Beautiful ending. Uh, Herodion, just real quick, uh, means to present yourself as a hero, to be a hero. And to, um, what's going on with my clicker? We're going to try this again. To present yourself as a hero. To, i uh, try this again. Technology's against me. Okay, we're back. There we go. Herodion, um, to present yourself as a hero, to believe that you are a hero, to, to be heroic. Narcissus, uh, uh, doctors, this refers to narcotics, by the way, <laughs> what this is, this isn't necessarily selfishness literally uh, means to be stupefied is what it means, but yeah, we're get a word narcotic, so I guess he was a druggie you know, they did drugs in the first century where. we got a druggie right there, and why it keeps kicking out here, I'm not sure, I'm having technology issues, okay um, uh, there we go, we're going to get it fired up here, so um, this couple right here these people that are mentioned Tryphenae and Trifosa, it keeps kicking me out how did Jesus do the Lord the, the sermon on the mat without PowerPoint? Does anybody know? I mean, think of all the bullet points. Bless it. Blessed. It. That would be so cool. James, American technology buddy. You know, they, this would never happen in Manchester, England, I promise. I love your voice. Did I ever tell you that? I spoke with a dear friend, uh, a lady from, from London, and we were talking over the phone, and, and she was just melting me as I was listening to her voice. I thought, I'm in the presence of royalty. <laughs> this is, this is it's like Princess Di on the phone right now. It's amazing. So um, all right. OK, let's just, you know, dear God bless this, this machine here. Herodion, uh, Tryphena and Tryphosa, those are two ladies, OK? Uh, Both of their names mean luxurious, by the way. And guess what, ladies? You don't have to be married to be effective in ministry, okay? You can be a single woman and be on the front lines of ministry. There we go again. Well, you're just going to have to believe me, okay? That's what's going on. It's still the Word of God, even if this doesn't work. Uh, All right, everybody take your real Bible and the printed one or your iPhones, which would never let us down. And uh, and we're going to work through this. Perseus, if you remember, Perseus, it's a, it's a Greek word of uh, the the word Persia. Uh, she's a young lady who is known as the Persian, the Persian, and she is um, most likely was purchased as a slave, or parent, perhaps her parents sold her as a slave, and she's now a believer. She's the only woman that Paul specifically says that he'd loved her, known as the beloved. She's worked hard in the Lord. Uh, verse 13, greet Rufus, a choice man in the Lord, and we'll we're, we're focus in on, on Rufus. Asyncretus, um, this is the fellow that seems to be incomparable. Uh, Hermes, Hermos, these are absolutely Greek names and literally refer to the god Mercury. That's what they refer to. And it's to herald the God. That's what Mercury does. Philologus, lover of words, which is a pretty amazing name. Julia, literally meaning she has soft hair. Julia means soft hair, okay? Olympus, sounds like Mount Olympus to me, right? There you go, another Greek name. You can see these are people that came right out of pagan Greek culture and, and now are followers of the Lord Jesus Christ, so much so that they're they're honored by Paul as being some of the most elite Christians in Paul's world. Now let's focus in on, on these two verses here, and hopefully this, uh, this will be before you. Everybody look at Mark 15, 21. We're going to focus on Rufus. So they pressed into service a passerby coming from the country, Simon of Cyrene, the father of Alexander and Rufus, to bear his cross is this the same Rufus that we have mentioned in Romans 16, 13? Great Rufus, a choice man of the Lord, also his mother in mine. Uh, yes, same man. The same man. How do we know? Well, let's, let's work through it. First of all, the Simon, the Cyrene, uh, it, it's almost kind of in a folklore kind of way, believe that he was a black man. He's not. Uh, The name Simon is a Jewish name, Shimeon in Hebrew. Uh, In all likelihood, he he is not an African treated in this harsh way. There you go, another black male being abused in the Bible. No, that's not the story at all, no. Simon is a Jew. He is most likely a very successful and very wealthy Jew, that was brokering business deals between Jerusalem, Rome, and the coast of North Africa, this beautiful city called Serene, not far from the Greek island of Santorini. If you've ever seen the amazing pictures of Santorini, what that island looks like. So Simon was most likely a very successful businessman, is whom he was. Why was he in Jerusalem? Well, he's Jewish with a name like Shimon. Yeah, he's, he's Jewish. It's Passover. So, so, was he there on business and to honor Passover? Probably. And did he have his wife and children with him? Probably. Journeying to Jerusalem is a family affair. And so, in all likelihood, when Simon was either caught up in the sweep of the crowd, uh, of some sorts, he and his wife, and probably two very young boys. We have the scene where a Roman soldier picks him and makes him carry the cross of Jesus. Okay, So let me give you a timeline that I think might help us appreciate what's going on, and uh, you'll, you'll understand the significance and the difference that dad can make In the life of his family. So it's about AD 33. The Jewish legal authorities, with the help of Pilate, have just secured a final ruling of guilty against Jesus Christ. Jesus is now handed over to Roman soldiers. Uh, Brian's a cop. Legally, in the U.S. government, there's a huge difference between a cop and a soldier. Not in Rome. They're one and the same. All right, they're one and the same. So Christ is handed over to the cops these soldier law enforcement, policing kind of officials, and that's when the abuse begins. It is recorded that Jesus was beaten in the head, face to area with reeds. They placed a crown of thorns on his head, then they put a purple robe on his back, and when we were done playing the games, they pulled the robe off, and they placed a wooden beam on his lacerated shoulders, and they made him walk what is said in Italian, the Via Dolorosa which literally means the way of pain or the way of suffering. Uh, We've got medical folks here. Because of extreme dehydration, exhaustion, trauma-induced shock and blood loss, he cannot, he can't go on. And it's at that moment that one of the law enforcement folk, one of the Roman soldiers, seeing a man that appeared to be pretty healthy, grabs him and says, you carry the cross. And at that moment, the the Roman soldier had full jurisdiction to do that. He was acting in full legal bounds to pick anybody and make them carry that cross. That was a part of the the authority that he he had. And at that point, we can just assume that the two boys were, were now placed in full charge of the mom, and off they went. What kind of eye contact, what kind of conversations potentially were had, between Simon and Jesus, we have no idea we, we can conjecture that there certainly must be some inquisitiveness in Simon about who is this man, what happened to him, Why has he been treated this way? What was his crime? Uh, crucifixion was very, very popular, very, very common. Just a few decades earlier, over two thousand were crucified in Jerusalem. And the highways coming in and out of Jerusalem were lined like candlesticks with crucified, crucified people. Over 2,000. Okay. It was the symbol that when Rome was present, Rome ruled. Without question, and by crucifying hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of people, it was a way of saying, this is what happened when you challenged the authority of Rome. And so there's no surprises here that there would be another crucifixion event. Not not, not a real surprise. But who is this man? We don't know the exchange between the two, but we know that Simon complied. As I've mentioned, Simon is a Jew. Upon arriving at the place of Golgotha, Simon is permitted to drop the beam, and he's free to walk away. He's done. He did what he had to do, what he was forced to do. Simon... Returned to his wife, his children. Now, fast forward. Some 25 years later, Rufus has become a follower of Jesus Christ and has proved his worth to the churches of Rome that in all likelihood, Jed, uh, it's the churches of Rome that gave him the title, Choice in the Lord. Paul, that's something Paul usually doesn't say. It's not a common Pauline phrase, choice in the Lord. Why would Paul all of a sudden highlight the word choosing and kind of spotlight the word choosing? Why? Where did that word come from, that phrase, that idea? In all likelihood, scholars say that, that Rufus is directly connected and linked to someone that physically laid eyes on the historical Jesus and that he has labeled among those, Debbie and Gordon, who were some of the original followers of Jesus Christ. <clears throat> he's now much older when he's referenced in Romans 16. All right? He's much older. Can you now, Let you've got to kick this in gear, Ed. I can't imagine what you would do with this, with this text. Can you imagine Rufus telling his own sons and daughters... About their grandfather who carried the cross of Jesus Christ. Could you imagine that that story being passed on? Now, what would potentially set Rufus up to even be a follower of Jesus Christ? What would set him up? By the way, uh, guess what the name Rufus means? It's a nickname. He's red-headed. <laughs> Drew, Drew uh, Chelsea, my daughter Catherine, he's red-headed. He's a red-headed little boy. Red-headed little boy, you know, it's a color designation. He's probably a red-headed kid, and his dad is Simone, is Simon. Simone, I'm sorry, Simon. And, <laughs> sorry, Simone, Simone's here. And this little red-headed kid watched a soldier grab up his dad and make him carry the cross, Okay. What turned the heart of this red-headed boy that made it possible to put his faith in Jesus Christ? Patrick, watch this. Patrick and Chrissy, watch this. If Simon was a typical Jew, if he was, what was his attitude toward Rome and Roman soldiers? Not good. Not good. In fact, the normal attitude of a a Jew toward Roman soldiers was they were demons inside the borders of Israel. Israel was demon-possessed. And what what was the prayer of every Jew? That those demons would be cast into a herd of swine and drown in the sea. The land would be purged of the presence of Rome. They couldn't stand him. Simon would be angry at their abuse, their cruelty, their egotism, and their pagan gods that they bring with them. They are demonic. And this Roman soldier, would, who by the way would be secretly hush-hushed among the Jews, called a dog, by the way. This dog comes up to Simon and, and barks out an order. You, carry the cross now. And Simon knew if he had a brain in his head, he'd say, yes sir. And he does. If his attitudes were typical, Simon would be mad at what just happened. Now, I conject, if Simon were like us in 2017, he would be cussing and fussing or pouting and manipulating about social injustice and about the lack of fairness in the political machine called Rome and the cruelty that they dish out to innocent people. If Simon were like us, that's where he'd go. If Simon were like a typical Jew, he'd wish they were all dead. That Rome would be expelled from the borders of the sacred holy land known as Israel. But guess what? Evidently, Bruce, he wasn't. Apparently, he wasn't bitter. And he didn't pass on this splinter-covered, beam of bitterness like a heavy load of wood of bitterness onto his sons. Evidently, that didn't happen. Because when Simon spoke of the event with his boys and he explained to them what had happened, evidently, he didn't communicate business because children believe how their parents behave. That's a rule. Please write it down. Children believe how their parents behave. And sometimes parents make decisions... And they get involved in behaviors that push their children far, far away from the logic of faith in Jesus Christ. And there's nothing like bitterness in a parent that can have a toxic influence on a child, a terribly toxic influence. Some parents' beliefs do great damage. So, how do we know this is the same guy? How do we know? Rufus is a choice man in the Lord, he's a choice man. That is exactly the title that was given to Simon. An unusual man chosen in an unusual way to carry the cross of Jesus Christ. Let's put it together historically. Mark fifteen twenty one makes the mention of Simon and his two boys. Guess where Mark wrote the Gospel of Mark? Where? Any Bible scholars? Rome. Rome. Guess who's... Mark sat at the feet of somebody and the gospel was dictated to Mark. Guess who that dude was? Peter. 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 Young John Mark goes to Rome, compelled to write this stuff down, finds Peter and sits down with possibly a team of secretaries who could write, called the Neimanuenses, and they recorded what Peter said. And we have the gospel of Mark. It is in Rome, under Mark's Mark's leadership as as a writer, that he writes down about this man, Rufus. The connection is with Rome. This is the same guy. So what's the point? What a difference a dad can make. What an amazing difference a dad can make. Like Simon, who didn't let a situation on that day on the Via Dolorosa become the basis of bitterness and criticism and getting into a spirit where I'm going to do my best to find something wrong with this situation, to justify my feelings, and ruin it for the boys. He didn't. This man had a tremendous difference, made a tremendous difference in the life of his boys by setting them up to consider the gospel. What's another reason why we know that to be true In an honor-shame culture, if your dad is a Jew, the boys are Jews. You don't turn away from the religion of your father. That's a rule. You don't turn away from the religion of your father. If you do, there can be horrific consequences. You don't do that. Simon passed something on to the boys that created something in Rufus' heart that that a red-headed boy would believe that Jesus Christ is in fact the Lamb of God that gave his life for the world. What a difference a dad can make. What a difference a mom can make when she doesn't pass bitterness onto her kids and and doesn't think that all the evil in the world is the fault of the church and all the moral corruption in the world is the fault of the church. The church is to blame for everything. Everything. Everybody's looking for something to blame. Welcome to Americana 101. We love to blame anyone or anything for our problems. Evidently, Simon didn't do that. And a redheaded boy decided, whoever this man Jesus is, there's something about him so significant. I'm going to chase him down. And ends up bearing an unusual title, a choice man in the Lord. Greet also his mother and mine. Uh, in all likelihood, the red-headed boy's mom was such a loving person, gave so much hospitality and generosity to people that uh, Rebecca, Paul decided that, that she was going to be his mama figure. <laughs> and Paul must have loved her as a mom. Beautiful, beautiful backstory. All right, you're the gifted body of Christ. Why does this matter? What are some practical ways we as fathers, we as moms, can make a difference in the lives of our children? The practical nuts and bolts, the dirt under the fingernails, reality stuff of how we can help turn the heart of our children toward considering the true nature of Jesus Christ. What would you say? What can we do to help our kids find faith? Be an example. Absolutely. Be an example. What else? The words. What do you mean? To someone else, what are some decisions that, that a man needs to make, a mom needs to make, to have a good influence on the kids? To start early. Oh Ooh, start early. Yeah, don't come late to the party. Yeah, start early. But Bruce, what would you say to somebody who did start late, and their kids are half grown, and that oh my goodness, I have not presented you know the following? How would we advise that? No,
1: I'd say that- Grace. Don't, you know, don't, uh, yeah, don't be discouraged.
0: Yeah. Um, yeah.
1: The Lord will
0: make up for the years the uh, Lord is safe. Like Good stuff, Bruce. Good stuff. By the way, when I started, you know, full time caseload in 1991, when I was at First Fort Smith, super busy. At least you remember those years, the exhausting years there. Uh, since that time, do you, know, do you know one of the number one themes of every client that's been in my office that's been abused? You know what they've all told me? Mom and dad have never admitted any wrong. <laughs> Mom and dad never apologized. Nothing. They, they never owned the damage that they created for this little boy, this little girl. That's now 20, 30, 40, 50 years uh, later. They're adults in my office and, and we're all grabbing the Kleenex together. Mom and dad never owned it. There is power in a, in a dad admitting they're wrong. There's power. Saying, son, daughter, I am so sorry. I was wrong. Would you please forgive me? Those words should be heard often in your home. I was wrong. Would you please forgive me? I own it. Men, those words need to be spoken to your children when you've just sinned against your wife in their presence you need to apologize, you need to make, make things wrongs right with your children for mistreating their mother. Because that actually helps a boy learn and a little girl learn <coughs> that a spouse is to be respected. Ladies, you too. You need to go to your children and say, I was wrong, would you forgive me for the way I spoke about your father? You need to own it. You need to own it. Make sense? Someone uh, I told this in the early service Uh, story about uh, some children who said you know when when church members came over to the house and they had the meal together on on Sunday or something and when the meal was done all of a sudden their dad would say okay time to help clean up you know and, and, and dad gets his little apron on and ties it off you know and starts doing the dishes and the kids are going you know why because dad's a big hypocrite, that's why. He's just shown off a little bit because there's company. But if there's no one there, he would have spouted off something and gone into the living room to do this. The example is powerful. Anybody else?
2: Um, but they could read the Bible to you.
0: Say that again. We've got a lot of adults in here that need to get that one. They, they can, could
2: read the Bible to you.
0: They could read the Bible to their to their spouse, their children, yes. Aiden, yes. Jenny? Love
3: unconditionally.
0: Love unconditionally, yeah. Yeah.
3: I was on a walk with my dad a couple
1: months ago, and I like when he told me about when he was raising me. He said uh, he hoped.
0: Beautiful Philip. That's the goal. So faith can logically be handed off and passed on. Absolutely. Absolutely. Uh, moms and dads, uh, and uh, yes, Andrew. Oh. So if Paul's calling Rufus' mother his mother, that meant that she did mothering in kinds of places. Yes.
3: But if you want love to grow, that intimate act of making a meal for your family at a set time every day and you come together and you're in close physical proximity around your people is not replaced by anything else. It's really essential. And then then if we invite other people into our homes, into our private space, we're we're giving them ourselves. We're giving them our best. my, my encouragement to everyone is to become willing to start sharing your life with other people that you're willing to have someone in, in your home. And I'm not talking about the 2005 Southern Living Christmas collection book where you have, to have everything decorated. That's not, that's not at all what I'm talking about. It, could you manage to make an omelette for somebody and, and give it to them because
0: it's not incidental to the faith. It is so necessary for humans to have that kind of attachment. Mm-hmm. It's discipleship. What's that? It's discipleship. Absolutely. Absolutely. <clears throat>
1: that, that when I was a young believer, I had a family who did that. Once a week brought me in. <laughs> and I grew in the Lord, and that was discipleship. Mm-hmm.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: If I may, I mean, Andrea has said this. So, as a witness to what she's saying, we have people in our house every day. That's the home that she runs. She runs a home where kids from the neighborhood come to our house day one. Of the, uh, one of the other families. We joked about this. One of the other families got us an open and closed sign for the front of our house, <laughs> <laughs> so, that, no room uh, in. so that the neighborhood kids would know when homeschool was done, and they were they could come over, <laughs> because they would be coming over all the time, because they feel welcome in our home, because that's what Andrea sets up. Yeah. We have we have adults as well come to our home on a regular basis. Big you know, adults. She's always Big telling adults. people. Dinner's about five thirty, six 6 o'clock. I make lots of food, yeah. and that's, that's how our home, she's always talked about wanting to be available and our home being well. Yeah. I'm witnessing to you that that's what she actually, she doesn't just say that. Yes. She models that. Yeah.
0: Yes. It
1: helps us yeah. food. Be, that, that's a It <laughs> <kid. The> helps us <laughs> food is really
3: good. Yes. Yes. <laughs>
0: James, has she learned to do right, proper toast with butter? Uh, scrambled eggs. And scrambled eggs. To- <laughs> You have international fame. This is good. This is very good. Yeah. Yeah. Chris, one of the
2: things that also lacks, if you have unconditional love, you also have that discipline in the home as well. And that seems to be a lot of times the lack of that. Sure.
0: That's good, David. By the way, speaking of discipline at the Lowry House, family sec, Quinn can sing jingle bells in Latin. You just need to know that, okay? That, that's the kind of discipline that goes on in their house. Yes, um, My brother and I grew up
2: for most of our lives in a single parent household with just our mom. And thinking back to when we were young and, you know, She worked full-time as a nurse, and we were in daycare all the time, you know, until she could come home, but what she did all the time, every single night, we would go and sit on my brother's bed or on her bed, and she taught us how to pray, and she prayed with us every single night, and every time the church doors were open, we were there, and I can remember sitting in our living room and looking at the clock and knowing you know, exactly when we were gonna go to church. And that was just part of our life. And so you know, growing up that's something I hope to have in my marriage, you know, Mm -hmm. once we have kids is teach them how to pray. Teach them that they can talk to God and that Mm -hmm. He's there. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Thank you so much. Melissa, you're a good Mm woman. I'm sure she's the
2: best.
0: Yeah, and I'm so glad you're here, you and Paul, Tiffany, all of you, Joe, thank you. Thank you very much. Um, so, you know, Paul's a pretty tough dude, right? Can you imagine what he would, how buff he would be if he had his shirt off, right? I mean, have a little belly, I'm sure, but, but can you imagine the scars on Paul's back? Can you imagine the scars on his face? How do we know he's got scarred face? How do you know? How many times were he stoned? They're not aiming for the legs, okay? That's not going to kill a man. The scars on Paul were unreal. <laughs> How many times have you beaten with rods, flogged? The scars are unreal. You think this guy's tough? Oh yeah. He's real tough. All right. And do you think he's so close to God that you couldn't slide a piece of paper between it? Right. Man of faith. Andrea, do you think he needed a mommy? Oh, yeah. Evidently yeah. so. <laughs> Yeah. Evidently so. And that red-headed boy's mom was a special lady. And Paul said, she's my mom too. It's okay for big, tough guys with scars to need mommies. Hospitality is really important. And Ed, hats off to you. Because you support and love Andrea. Oh my goodness. How many men would put their foot down and say, No, I've had enough. I want peace and quiet, and and, and if, no, nobody else in this house, none. Kick them out, you know. But Ed has let his home, number eight, Lantern Hill, to become uh, you know, LaGuardia or O'Hare make or something. A slide, a slide. <laughs> <laughs>
2: yeah,
0: yeah. So amazing, amazing. Let's tie it off with this. You ready? Life's not fair. People, it is not fair. You can be minding your own business with your family and all of a sudden a Roman soldier can grab you up and make you do something you don't want to do. It is not fair. Uh, If you haven't been hurt by life yet, uh, just wait. It will happen. It's a matter of time. Something's going to happen. And you're going to think it's not right. It's not fair. And if you have any sense of, of... Functioning front lobes about you right now. You need to understand something. Life was not fair to Jesus Christ. Paul put it this way. He who knew no sin became sin for us that we might become the righteousness of God in him. In other words, he died in our place. And Patrick, that's the gospel. The guilty person gets off scot-free. The innocent person is punished for the ultimate crime called the gospel. I am guilty. He's innocent. He dies on my behalf. For God so loved the world that he gave his only son that whoever would believe in him would not perish but have everlasting life. This is the gospel. Okay. Something happened in the heart of Simon. And he chose to take some of the unfair situations in life and not turn it into the basis for manipulation and pouting. <laughs> and all that passive-aggressive junk, nor just raw, unbridled anger and hate and become racist toward Rome. <clears throat> he didn't do it. He did something that made faith possible and plausible for a little red boy and his brother. And we get to hear about this guy. Choice. In all likelihood, there's some decisions you guys need to make. Because I know for a fact that there are many, many of you here who have massive parent deficits. Massive parent deficits. You don't have a good mommy waiting on you. You don't have a good daddy waiting on you. You don't. And you might be the weight of the world on your shoulders as a single parent mom, single parent dad, struggling through this stuff. Okay. Life is not fair. Bitterness is not the answer at all. God has got an amazing plan for your life. If you want to talk to me more about that privately, I'll be in the back here and would love to love to chat with you about that. I want to pray for you now. Father, thank you so much for the way that you've shown grace today and the incredible wisdom, wisdom that has been given by, uh, by your people, gifts of teaching gifts, discernment, encouraging, merciful words. God, I pray that if there's anybody here that does not know you as Lord and Savior, they will give their heart to you. Please, thank you for Simon. Thank you for that redheaded boy and how you used him in Rome. Thank you for his mom, realizing that her home could be a safe place for a tough old missionary named Paul. Father, thank you so much. In Jesus' name, amen.